Hi, and welcome to the Annex Podcast Elevate YM Edition. We're a youth group at the Building Christian Fellowship that believes that you can have a real and relevant relationship with Jesus, even at a young age. And we pray you enjoyed this message from last Thursday. Now this week, we're going to talk about something that we all might be familiar with. You know, we talked about the grand scheme of eternity. We talked about that. We talked about on a smaller scale uh, about a day. But today we're going to go up to an even smaller scale, all right? And I'm going to give you a few hints on what we're going to talk about. Now, this thing is, is important in many people's lives. It's important in many families' lives. Man, people work for it. Man, people fight over it. People kill for it. People lie. People cheat. You guys have an idea what I'm talking about yet? Man, tonight we're going to talk about this. Yes, this. If you can't really see it on the screen, this is a U.S. $1 bill. Now, this might not seem like a lot, and I get it, but this, this money can buy you a lot of different things. Now, you might not be able to get a lot with $1, but hey, you might be able to get like uh, something on the value mill at McDonald's or something, you know? Uh, if you get into a place in your life where you can collect enough of these, maybe you can save up, I don't know, 500 of these and get a new PlayStation, Man, I, maybe one day you might be as fortunate as a guy named uh, 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 Patrick Mahomes, you know, the guy that just signed a $503 million. Do you collect $503 million, 503 of these, millions of these? It makes the difference, right? And so, obviously, this thing, this, this, this piece of paper can, can buy a lot. And I'll even go as far to say that this piece of paper can even buy happiness. Now, I know a lot of you guys are probably looking at me right now. It's like, okay, where is this preacher going talking about that money can buy happiness? Now, let me, let me be very specific about what I'm saying. I don't mean to say money can buy happiness in the sense that we're all thinking. Because money can buy happiness temporarily. You know, a lot of times when we're in the pursuit of happiness, we're looking for something that ultimately fulfills us. And a lot of times, you know, regardless if you're from the U.S. or not, this money, currency, is something that takes the place uh, of a source when actually it's meant to be a resource. So tonight, we're going to talk about God's plan for money. Where does money really belong in a believer's life? Because a lot of us, you know, whether you're young or you're old, you might idolize money a little bit more than you should. You might put a money in a place like, well, if I don't have this, then I can't be happy. Or if I don't have enough of this, then, then I can't really truly be satisfied. And tonight we're going to learn about what the Bible says about it. So if you're taking notes tonight, the title of tonight's message is Money Moves. If you're at home, say Money Moves. Now I got three points for you guys. I'm not going to be in front of you for very long. But we're going to talk about, you know, the, the role that money has in a believer's life. Amen? So our first point tonight is this. Pursuing happiness starts with self-awareness. Pursuing happiness starts with self-awareness. What do you mean, JR? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30. And if you're at home, you might be seeing it up on your screen right now. But I encourage you guys, make sure that you bring out your Bibles. If you have a digital Bible, get that out, turn it on, and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30. And it reads this in the NLT. It says, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. And second, give me neither poverty nor riches. 
Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. I'll read verse 9 again. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Pursuing happiness starts with self-awareness. JR, what do you, what do you mean with this? And, and, you know, a lot of times I don't think that we really take into consideration where we're at when we're asking for more. I think a lot of times we don't really take into consideration how blessed we are before we ask for more. And when I read this passage, when I read the, uh, uh, this wisdom literature in the Bible, when this person, this this uh, uh, person is talking about uh, 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 a prayer. It's almost like a, a direct conversation with God. And he just asks two simple things. He's like, look, before I die, God, just, I'm just asking for two things. Help me to never tell a lie. And second, never give me poverty nor riches. What, what great self-awareness. This, this scripture, this passage in scripture gives us a guideline on how to truly pursue happiness and how to put money in this place. Because this is the way that the, the, the author of this passage, how, how he describes how we should have an outlook. He says this, first, help me to never tell a lie. You see, this person knows himself enough to know like, hey, I'll be out here lying. I'll be out here fibbing. I'll be out here not telling the truth. God, first and foremost, before I ask for anything else, I want you to make my heart right. Before I ask for anything else, I want to make sure that this, this, this mind, this heart, is together before I ask for anything else. Secondly, he asked, give me poverty nor riches. Like, oh, that's a real humble route, isn't it? He says, give me uh, neither poverty nor riches. And he goes further to say, give me just enough to satisfy my needs. What a great outlook. I, I don't know about you guys, and I can be truthful and honest. Man, I would love to have a bigger house. I would love to have a bigger car. I would love to have a 1968 Dodge Charger, all black, with the blacked-out interior and the black rims with a little red racing stripe going outside. I'd love to have that. But if at any point that the circumstances in my life or the way that I see the circumstances in my life takes me away from God, then I don't want it. And here's what this author, this is, the, this is the plan that the word of God is giving us. He's saying, look, this is the mindset that we have to have. Whether, they're, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, we still have to be content in the things that God gives us. The word of God says that, that, that worry doesn't add a measure to our, our, ourselves. That, that we should trust in God enough, that we should have faith in God enough and in his plan that he cares and loves us enough to, to give us and supply us with our, the needs that we need. So it's important that this person in this passage in Proverbs chapter 30, he's saying, look, I'm not asking for a bunch of money, Jesus, but just don't make sure that I don't go without. I trust you enough to not only fix my heart so that I don't tell a lie, but I trust you enough to provide for me so that I have enough for my needs. Now, now it could have been a just as easily selfish prayer. He could have had the outlook before checking himself and prayed this prayer. He could have been like, well, Jesus, you know it's been such a hard time. Jesus, if you just give me a million dollars, then everything will be all right. Well, Jesus, you just blessed me with a new car, Jesus. You know I've been walking. Jesus, if you just blessed me with this new car, everything's going to be all right. 
Jesus, if you just bless me with, with, this is for the singles, I'm not quoting myself. Jesus, if you just bless me with this significant other, I've been lonely, Jesus. You've been seeing all my tears, Jesus. Can you please just supply me with that significant other? And then everything will be all right. No, God knows exactly what you need. It's, it's not more things. It's not more money. It's not more possessions. It's not more things to make us feel like we're more, but it's, it's more of him. He's saying, like, look, he's not petitioning to God. He's not trying to bargain with God in his prayer. What he's trying to do is this. God, before I ask, before I petition, before I do anything else, I want you to check my heart. I want you to check my mind so that everything that proceeds out of my mouth is your will. But before, before I ask for anything, God, I want to be able to be self-aware enough to, to know that, okay, let me pray God's will and not my own will. Let me pray what God wants for my life and not my own life. Our first point was pursuing happiness starts with self-awareness. Our second point is this. My source of happiness, quote-unquote, determines my contentment. My source of happiness determines my contentment. Now, those of you that know, I don't know if you guys know anything about currency, but the, the value of the dollar and, and the value of currency, currency in all different lengths, uh, all different countries, it fluctuates. And there was a really interesting thing that I found that right after World War I, in the country of Germany, the value of the German dollar dropped so much that it wasn't worth anything. Can we, run, can we show those pictures real quick? We good? Are they up there? They up there, Jericho? Yeah? So this is the first picture, right? 1924. Now, I don't know if you guys see what he's doing, and I don't know if you guys know what wallpaper is, like the real stuff that they had to put on walls. That is a German dollar that's up on the wall. That's German currency that's on the wall. That the value of the dollar was so bad that it was cheaper to put up money on the walls than to buy wallpaper in the first place. Y'all getting that? Let's, let's see the next picture. All right, Pete this, Pete this. This was interesting. The, the value of the dollar had dropped so much that this woman was using money to start a fire for her stove to cook food. That's how much of the value of the dollar had dropped. Let's look at the next one. This one is a picture of the kids. They, they took wads of money. Imagine having a stack of $100 bills, a fat wad, making bricks out of them and playing with them outside. That's how, that's how unvaluable the dollar ended up being. And let's look at this last one. This last one was this. And I didn't really see a caption on this, but I can imagine. That isn't just a drawing. She literally made a dress. She made clothes. That wasn't her stunting. That was probably her just trying to find something to wear. She took the German dollar and literally made it into clothes. And that, that kind of brought, uh, uh, it made me think of something that ultimately this value of this dollar, this value of this piece of paper is going to be subjective to whatever's going on in, in the world. That if something happens, if we print too much of these pieces of paper, then the value of the dollar goes down. If we go into any more debt, then the value of this dollar goes down. Basically to say this. You can make and collect as much of this as you possibly can. 
You can be like, well, you know what, God? I'll be satisfied if I'm a millionaire. And you become a millionaire as well. I'd like to be a hundred millionaire. Okay, so you make a hundred million dollars. Well, you know what? I want to be a billionaire. And it's like, okay, well, you made a billion dollars. Okay, well, I want to be a 10 billionaire and a hundred billionaire. I want to be a trillionaire. The, 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 the reality of what this money is is that it won't satisfy your needs. In the end, it won't satisfy your needs. Yes, you can pay bills. Yes, you can go out and keep the lights on and keep the heat on and buy clothes and all these different things. But ultimately, this, this piece of paper holds no real eternal value. That the same way that you came into this world naked, crying and screaming, is the same way that you're going to leave this world with nothing. So it's important that we recognize that our source of happiness will determine our contentment. That our source that, that we find contentment in, this source that we find fulfillment in, the source that we find satisfactory, find satisfactory has to be something that will truly satisfy our needs. Can you imagine eating cotton candy for a year? Just imagine that for a second. It might be cool for the minute. It might be cool for the moment. It might be cool, you know, in certain places and at certain times. But it's not something that will truly nourish you and fulfill you and give you the, 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 the nourishment that you need. We have to recognize that, look, our source has to be God. And we have to recognize that, th that this is only a resource. This is only a tool. This is only a thing that we can help uh, uh, make our quality of life a little bit better. But regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're in between, if you've got a little bit of money or a lot of bit of money, our source has to continue to be our God. Our source has to be Jesus Christ. He is the one that truly fulfills us. He is the one that can truly satisfy our needs. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 11. You might be familiar with this passage. This is like the international athlete uh, uh, scripture that's about to come up. So Philippians chapter 4 reads this, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Y'all heard this verse before? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Spoiler alert, that's not the, sport, that's not the sports passage. Spoiler alert, that's, that's not the passage that will give you a, a, your, your football team a magical win. That passage was, just, was to show us where our source truly comes from. That passage was to show us that regardless of the circumstances in our lives, regardless of how much of these pieces of paper that we collect, that God is ultimately our source. That regardless if I'm rich, regardless if I'm poor, God, you are my source, you are my strength, you are everything that I need, and I am content with that. That's what happiness is. Real happiness is being content. What it means to be content is to be satisfied, to be fulfilled. That in this life, you'll, you'll, you'll find and lose a lot of these. Man, being a husband and father, I find and lose a lot of these all the time. Whether it be food or diapers 
or toys, whatever it may be, in this lifetime, you will find and lose a lot of this money. But here's what's important. Whether you have a lot of this or a little bit of this, that God is your source. Money is only a resource. And listen, this isn't a message saying that Christians can't be wealthy. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't a message saying that Christians can't have money. But the, but the importance of this message is to know that, you know, Christians can have money, but we can't let money have us. Does that make sense? We can have money, but we have to put it in its rightful place. We can have this tool, but it needs to be in the rightful place. This tool cannot save us uh, 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 from hell. This tool cannot satisfy our needs. It might be able to fulfill us for a moment. It might be able to fulfill us for a little while. But what this thing can do, what God can do, is God can fulfill us and satisfy us for all eternity. Don't, don't, don't settle for momentary pleasures when you've been given the opportunity for, to be fulfilled for an eternity. Our source of happiness determines our, commit, our, our contentment. So we have to remind ourselves to put, put money in the rightful place. To put money in the place that it needs to be. That is not our source, but it is a resource. It's a tool. Our first point was pursuing happiness. Starts with self-awareness. I got to be aware of myself before I start trying to pursue something. I got to be aware of, of, of where, where I'm at before I try to figure out where I'm going. Does that make sense? Our second point is my source of happiness determines my commitment. Wherever my source is, wherever I find nourishment, wherever I find the things that I need to add to my life to fulfill my life, it, it determines the efficiency of that thing determines my contentment level. And finally, and we close with this, true godliness leads to contentment. True godliness leads to contentment. We were just talking about sources, and we had just revealed that, that, that God is, is our, the source of our strength, that God is our provider, that God is the one that puts breath in our lungs. It reads in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money is the root of all evil. Because anytime that we exalt something higher than the place of, where God is supposed to be, that's idolatry. Not Dollar Tree, idolatry. Anytime that we, that we raise the value of, of a dollar, the value of currency, the value of, of money above God, then we've created an idol in our lives. And let me give you a spoiler alert. That anything that we can raise above the creator of heaven and earth, anything that we think we can raise uh, to take place of God in our lives isn't sufficient enough for us. 
Because ultimately, if we think that we have the power to raise a God for ourselves, that, that thing isn't just God. We've made ourselves into God. So it's important that we put money in its right place. It's just a tool. It's just a resource. It's just a thing that helps us live. But what's mo most important, like, when you guys are, I know some of you guys are trying to get a job right now. I know you guys are trying to earn a little bit of extra money. I know some of you guys wash cars. Some of you guys cut hair. Some, some of you guys are working right now. Some of you guys are working fast food. I, I, I'm talking about money in a youth group because if you get this now, when you become an adult, it becomes like clockwork. That you don't get trapped and ensnared by the love of money. That you don't get trapped and ensnared by the love of riches. I'm not saying that you can't be rich. I'm not saying that you can't be wealthy. I'm not saying that you can't have nice things. But what's important is, no matter how many nice things that you accumulate, no matter how, many, how much money that you make in your lifetime, that thing will not satisfy you. Godliness, true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. It's saying this, that, that the righteousness and the goodness and, and the holiness that God provides for us, the things that he provides for us itself is, is worth great wealth. That it's important that we don't go out trying to create our own way to make ourselves rich or to add value to ourselves. We were already valuable enough when Jesus died on the cross for us. We were valuable enough to God to, to, for him to give us a, 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 a written word so that we can lead and guide our lives with. That's how much value you have. You are worth dying for. You are worth a sacrifice for. God loves you. He cares about you. In these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about God's plan because God's plan is for us to get to know who he is. And tonight, I want to ask you this question. Maybe you haven't been dealing with money as being an idol. Maybe it's something that you haven't attained yet. But I encourage you to get your heart right now. Be like the author in Proverbs 30, where he's like, hey, I got to do a self-check. God, I'm going to ask you for two things before I do anything else. God, teach me how to not lie. Make me right. Allow me to be righteous with your understanding. Allow me to be righteous in you. Because without you, I can't be righteous. And then he says, look, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, whether uh, don't make me too rich that I forget you and don't make me too poor to where I'll go out and do something stupid. God, I don't only want you to make me right. God, I want to recognize you as the, the true source and my true provider for me. And that's the invitation that God constantly gives us through his word. It's like not only am I your savior, but I am your provider. Not only do I offer salvation, but I offer protection. Not only do I offer salvation, but I offer the fulfillment through my sacrifice. So here's what we're offering as a ministry. Here's what we're offering tonight is to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And for everyone that is under the sound of my voice, I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray that Jesus uh, 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 be Lord over your life. I want you to pray and repent for the things that you have done. We've had this mindset that we thought where the things that we thought were good were good enough for us. But this is what we literally have to do when we repent. Imagine this being, imagine this being our, our thought processes, the things that we value, uh, the things that we, we hold to be uh, uh, great and sources of our lives before we met God. When we repent, we're literally doing this. We're taking this, this thing that seems that is like it's valuable, this thing that, that seems like it might provide in our lives, and when we repent, what we're doing is we're taking the ideologies that we had, that we came up with, that we've uh, uh, set up to be our own God, and we throw it behind ourselves, counting it as trash, and turning towards God as the source. This is the opportunity for repentance, to turn away and to throw away the things that we thought were right and we thought were the source of our strength away and to turn towards God as our source and our strength. God is able. It doesn't matter how big of, 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 a, of a trash heap you have made in your life. God is able to make you whole and to make you clean. But it starts with submitting yourself to him, amen? Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God. God, I thank you for allowing us to have service through technology, God. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for being in each and every household, each and every place, on each and every screen, so that your word, that your gospel and your truth can reign true in all of our lives, God. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your unfailing love, God. And God, right now, we're all standing here, myself included, God, humbly, ready to repent. God, create in us clean hearts. Renew in us right spirits. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation, God. Make us whole again. Remind us that money is only a resource and not the source of our being, God. God, I'm praying that we pursue happiness by being more self-aware. God, that we recognize the source of our happiness comes from you, God. And that true godliness, true righteousness, the things that are found in you, God, what will really make us content, will really make us fulfilled. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.